Well, good morning, church. How you doing out there, Shelby Christian? Happy Father's Day. Is there any fathers in the in the building? Can you just wave at me? Happy Father's Day. Let's give them a big, big clap today. Would you stand with us as we worship? We're going to do a song. Uh, this is a new song to Shelby Christian. I'm going to sing the chorus for you. It goes like this. The victory is yours. The battle ain't over. The glory is yours. Amen. With hands lifted high, I'll be singing through the fire. My God, he's not finished yet. Oh, my God, he's not finished yet. Amen. Sing that with us. Put your hands together. My God will finish what he started. He holds the world within his hand. My God delivers on the cross. Nothing's greater than him. My God will bring down every stronghold. Jericho walls don't stand a chance. My God can conquer any child. Nothing's greater than Him. Nothing's greater than Him. The victory is yours. Oh, the battle ain't over. The glory is yours. Amen. With hands singing through the fire my God he's not finished yet my God is with me every moment no fire of hell can hold him down my God turns death to resurrection nothing's greater than him Nothing's greater than Him. But the victory is yours. Though the battle ain't over, the glory is yours. Amen. With hands lifted high, I'll be singing through the fire. My God is not finished The victory is yours. Though the battle i 
Happy Father's Day. So today marks um, the third Father's Day uh, that I'm spending without my father here on the earth. My dad, a Purple Heart Vietnam veteran, um, he was one of the good ones. He would often do things um, just out of the goodness of his heart um, for strangers um, as well as neighbors and family. You'd usually find him um, in the stands of a baseball game cheering the loudest um, for his grandkids. He was just that guy. And it wasn't until his later years um, that he truly began to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And when he suddenly passed in February of 2020, my dad gave us the greatest gift that he could give us. You see, my dad went um, from having a religion to a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we have the gift of knowing um, that he is spending eternity in heaven and that we'll see him again one day. I'm going to read to you Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, and it says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no man can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So as we move to uh, this time in service that we take communion, there are stations set up throughout the room. Um, The cups are double stacked. The bread is in the bottom. The juice is in the top. Take some time to reflect um, on the sacrifice, the gift that Jesus gave us um, by sending his son to die on the cross for our sins. Also reflect on the legacy um, that you'll leave for your kids one day. Let's pray. Let's pray, church. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for all the fathers that are in this place. Thank you for every man, every woman, every child, Father. But Father, on this Father's Day, may you just speak to those fathers. Allow them to hear your voice you are calling out so we thank you Lord as as you speak to us lead us and guide us as we lead our families as we lead our church as we lead wherever you have placed in front of us allow us to come to you lay everything down at your feet and say, God, here it is. You do with it that I don't have the power. I don't have the wisdom to do. But it's only through you, only through your strength that I'm able to do it. Thank you, Jesus. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
morning. We worship you, Lord. Be 
here. Because I was going to tell Bradley, that's how you do walk-up music, baby. You get a video along with it. Hey, man, I'm glad you guys are here. I missed being with you guys last week. Uh, I was just down helping out a church in Texas. I got to tell you this story. It's because it's really kind of funny because they're doing this series this summer. And they and I've been there once before, and they asked me to come back and just help them out in this series. And they said, we, you got two options. We got two topics. You can choose which one you want to do. And I said, all right. And he said, the first one is lust. <laughs> really? you <laughs> like... I'm going to fly halfway across the country and put that out there. I said, I'll take number two, really, whatever it is. I'll take number two. It was workaholism, at which point I was pretty sure they had talked to Kim. And uh, I was supposed to be writing something for me. Uh, but I miss being with you guys. And, and But it was a great week. And right now, just would you guys just in your minds be praying for two groups of people? One is on their way back from Poland right now. And just making sure to make all the connections and praise God. He just helped them make one that they didn't think they were going to make. And so uh, pray that works. And another group just left Friday for Dominican Republic. And they're down there uh, for a week. So pray for those. Pray for those folks. Okay, we're in this series. And the reason I want to show that video is because we've been talking about going big. And those are just a few people. Those are just a few people this year that have chosen to go big in terms of the relationship with Jesus Christ. We had two more young people do that this week at Camp Calvary. Uh, We've got others who are going to do that today. And and so it's exciting to see that happen in people's lives because it's the greatest thing in the world. So we're finishing up this series today. We're finishing up this series and we've been talking about what it looked like to live a life that counts and to really get involved in the game, to accept the challenge, uh, to become part of the team and not just a spectator in the van. But today, the last part of this Go Big series is Go Big by trusting God and by following Jesus. To go big by trusting God and by following Jesus. Now, now that's hard. Because ironically, one of the toughest, one of the one of the toughest areas for people to trust God should be one of the simplest one of the most beautiful, one of the just most profound things, and it becomes in many circles one of the hardest areas to trust God. But part of that I get because, guess this, a lot of us have thought, some of us have said, I don't trust nobody. Because of the things that go on in our world today, that is kind of the mantra of a lot of people. I don't trust no one. And their problem is, their problem is the last part of that phrase. No one, nobody, no person. Because the reality is when we put our trust in people, even the best people are eventually going to let us down, right? Because let's be honest, you ever let anybody down? Every one of us have. We're human. We're human. We're going to come up short in that. But our trust can't be in a human. Our trust is in the creator of all humans. Our trust is in the one who never fails, who never lets us down. And, and so to be willing to, to trust him is a powerful and it's a beautiful thing. Oxford Dictionary defines trust this way. Listen to this definition. It'll be on the screen. A firm belief in the reliability, the truth, the ability or strength of someone or something. 
There is someone, something that I am going to remember. Remember, some of you probably did this as kids. Remember the old trust fall thing? And, and, and you get, you know, you get some people and that you like, okay, I'm just going to fall backwards and I'm going to trust that you're going to catch me. Now, isn't your level of trust in that game highly dependent on exactly who's behind you? On a couple different levels. On a couple different levels. If you've got two or three dudes my size standing behind you, pretty good. Now, if you've got two or three sweet, wonderful, awesome, incredible people like Victoria, and you weigh 300 pounds, it's a little bit different to have that trust. Now, here's the difference. Size doesn't always matter. Because if you, sorry to pick on you, if you know Victoria, you know it doesn't matter what her size is, she'll do anything it can, she can not to drop you not to let you down. I kind of want those people behind me too. I kind of want those people that aren't going to lean on their own strength, but they're just going to do whatever it takes. And we've got to learn to trust, to surrender in a way that that's going big because everything in our world today leads you to the point of don't trust no one. It's, it's, it's changing every day and the ones you think you can trust and all of a sudden something comes out and it's like, no, don't trust no one. And I agree with that. But trust the one. Trust the one. So we're going to talk about that today and we're going to talk about it in this one arena that is so important because the Bible's full of stories of people that struggle to trust God. I mean, it's in the very first story. The very first one that's in there. There's this chick named Eve. And God said, you gotta, you can have it all. All. But that one. She didn't trust him. She didn't trust that he would take care of everything. She listened to a snake instead of the one that had created her out of her husband's side. She listened to one who convinced her not to trust the one. And we're all dealing with the ramifications of the sin that, that brought into the world. There's another lady named Sarah. God said, God told Abraham, you guys are going to have a son. Not only are you going to have a son, you're going to be the father of many nations. Not just, not just like a little, like the stars in the heavens kind of stuff. The only problem was, Sarah's like 90 years old. My mom just turned 90. The thought of her having a son today is terrifying. To her son as well as her. <laughs> but so, so we get, we kind of get where Sarah's like, I ain't gonna hide here. No way. But she was trusting her human knowledge and not his knowledge. She was trusting a person and not the creator of persons. And so she says, oh, it's not going to happen. But man, this whole family line, this whole family heritage thing is a big deal. And so she gives her maidservant, Hagar, to her husband and says, you guys just go have a son. You guys, just, instead of trusting God. 
there's a father in the New Testament in Mark chapter 9 whose son is really sick and brings him to Jesus to heal him. And he says this to Jesus in Mark chapter 9. In verse 24, he says, I know that you can do all things. I know, I believe you can do this. But would you help me overcome my unbelief in you? See, I think that's where a lot of us need to land. I think that's where a lot of us need to land. We've got the the head knowledge. Yeah, God, creator of all things, omnipotent, omniscient. Uh, you know, he's, he can do it. Like, okay, yeah, I get that. I just, like, I can't see how it's going to. So it's it, our prayers. You, God, I believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Because the struggle's not with you. The struggle's with me. And what that father said was like, I know what you can do. I'm struggling because I don't know if I can get my mind around it. And I think that's where a lot of us are. So let's look at Jesus. Jesus modeled his trust in his father over and over and over again. That's why it's appropriate, I think, to talk about this on Father's Day. Because it was all about Jesus's relationship with his heavenly father. With God the Father, over and over again, he modeled trust in him. He trusted his Father's timing. Jesus trusted his Father's timing. He said, it's not for us, not for me, not for you to know the the times. We're just going to do what we're supposed to do until that time comes. It's not up to us. And that's trust. That's just saying, I, I just trust him. I just trust that the Father has everything under control everything under control he he also trusted his father's authority and you get down to the great commission he said all things in heaven and earth have been given to me by my father he's passed on this and so i'm gonna i'm gonna trust in not my authority but i'm trusting in his authority and maybe the one of the biggest actions of trust was when he trusted his father's will it was the the night they were coming to get him And he's in the garden praying, and he's praying, Dad, any other way we can do this? Can we go to plan B, C, D, whatever, any other, any other way that we can do this? And then he said this, not my will, but yours. Not my will, but yours. It, it, it's it's what's what Jesus modeled in and what we know as the Lord's Prayer in the the early part of his ministry that your your he's talking about his father, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he had prayed that and said taught his disciples to pray that, May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so then fast forward three years and he's in the garden the last night and he has to put that into action. Not my will. Yours be done. And and so Jesus does that. And then he trusted the Father's will throughout his time on earth. I want you to listen to how it happened when Jesus trusted the Father's leading and was baptized. It's in Matthew chapter 3, starting in verse 13. Here's what it says. It said, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. This is John the Baptist. This is Jesus' cousin who's six months older than him. And had been the forerunner, had been the one that had been out preaching about a Messiah that was coming. And so Jesus is in Galilee, and he walks down to Jordan to be baptized by John. And John tried to talk him out of it. That's what that word deter means. John tries to talk Jesus out, and he's like, what's up, cuz? No, I ain't going to do that. You need to be baptizing me. 
He said, I need to be baptized by you and you come to me. And then look what Jesus said. Let it happen now. Let it be so now. It is proper for us to fulfill the will of the Father. All righteousness. That's what that is. Righteousness is right living. It's God's living. It's the will of God. Jesus says, no, John, I need, we need to do this. You need to baptize me because I need to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. And as soon as he did, Jesus was baptized and went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So let me ask you, let me ask, why has something that is so beautiful and simplistic in nature, death, burial, resurrection, yet so profound in its necessity, become so controversial? I want to answer six questions, we're done, all right? Six questions, that's what we got today. First question is this, what can we learn from Jesus? What can we learn from what Jesus did there in Matthew chapter 3 and throughout his life here on earth? The first thing we can learn is to trust the Father and do his will. To trust the Father and do his will. It's that simple. So a lot of you have heard me tell um, the story of how my dad used to give my brother and I chores every Saturday, and he'd write them down on a slip of paper, and then he'd go and do his own thing. And then when he came home, my dad didn't care a bit if I was out in the backyard playing ball with the guys from the neighborhood, not one bit. But when he came home from out doing his chores, if I was in the backyard playing basketball, playing football, playing whatever, my dad was just going to figure out something to do and stand around on the carport on the back porch and he wasn't going in the house until we made eye contact and all i had to do was that's it that's it i didn't have to say a word he didn't say a word we just had i just had to that little nod and he knew that that was my way of saying i've done everything that you asked me to do everything now he was never going to embarrass me in front of my friends he was never going to call me out but he knew and i knew that if I didn't make eye contact, if we didn't deal with that, we were going to deal with that. You know what I mean? <laughs> but that was just his way of saying, I want you to do what I've asked you to do. And the way, the reason that was so easy for me to do that most of the time, most of the time was because he wasn't sitting in the recliner. He was out doing what he needed to be doing as well. And he just asked his boys to help him out. And to do what he needed us to do to accomplish a family goal or whatever we had to get done as a family. So that's the thing. It it, it was fun. It was fun growing up knowing that if I trusted my dad, all I had to do was nod. And we were good. And we were good. So the second thing, the first thing is trust trust the Father and do his will. The second thing is... The second thing is, go to whatever links are necessary to do his will. Let me logically play this game. There are people that I have talked to, maybe you're one of them. Or maybe you've talked to one of them. Who said, I believe in God, I believe in Jesus, I I know what the Bible says, but I'm good. It's like, me and Jesus got this special deal. 
Like, we got this side deal going on. Like, I know that's what, I know that's what it says for everybody, but we got like, we, we're good. We're good. You know, we're, I'm good. I'm good. Well, if there's, if, follow me here. If there has ever been a person walk the face of planet earth who could have logically and reasonably said, you know what? I don't need to be baptized. Wouldn't it make sense that that would have been the sinless son of God, the creator? Doesn't that logically make sense? That was what was in John's mind when Jesus comes walking to him. When Jesus comes walking to him, he's like, what are you talking about? I know who, I already know who you are. You know who you are. What are you talking about? And what did Jesus say? No, I need to do this to fulfill the will of the father. To fulfill all righteousness. He wasn't going to play the, I'm the God's son card. He was going to do what the son was supposed to do for the father the whole way. So let me, let me do some more logical thinking. I did the research and from Galilee where Jesus was to the Jordan where John was baptizing was right at 40 miles. Right at 40 miles. So there were no bikes, cars, trains, planes, boats. Well, I guess there are boats. There's no, no motorboats. But there was no way for Jesus to get from where he was to where he needed to go to be baptized except to trudge it on out. The Bible tells us that Jesus walked and did a lot of ministry together. And so I started doing some of the research and, and checking into what scholars would say. And they said that in Jesus' teaching times, when he was out walking, that he would easily walk an average of 18 to 20 miles a day. So two days, right? If you've got to go 40 miles and he's used to walking up to 20 a day, two days. You, you, you walk and you sleep and you get up and walk, two days, all right? It's, that's hard for us to relate to because I, you, there might be like a superhero in here that does 18 to 20 miles a day, but I'm going to kind of doubt it. All right. But, but so I, I went to Bradley this week and I said, all right, if you're training for a marathon and we talked about the marathon he was training for. And I said, but if you're going, not just the 26.2 miles, if you're going 40 miles, how fast do you think you could do that? He said seven and a half, eight hours, right? Seven and a half, eight hours. Like, Dude, you need to get a life. Um, but anyway, <laughs> seven and a half, eight hours for Bradley, who can run a marathon, to get 40 miles. All right, there may be one or two others of you that, in here that could do that. So then I started thinking about me not running. But I've got this on my arm. I try to do 10,000 steps a day. That's my goal, 10,000 steps a day. 10,000 steps a day for me is just right at or right under five miles. All right, so I started thinking, all right, 40 miles, that's eight days. That's eight days, and this thing's tracking my steps from the moment I wake up until I lay down at night, all right? And eight days at best, that would assume I made the 10,000 steps every day. 40 miles walked. By the sinless son of God, the creator of heaven and earth, to do what his father wanted him to do. Now, here's the good news for today. I'm not challenging you to walk 40 miles. Nobody. From the first, I've measured it. 
from the furthest spot in this room to there is just a little over 70 feet. That's it. That's it. So what can we learn? We, we need to, what we can learn from Jesus, we need to do like he did and follow our father and go to whatever links we need to. Second question we're going to deal with, why should I be baptized? Well, we dealt with part of that already. First of all, to follow the example of Jesus. You know, he, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee. He was baptized by John in the Jordan River. That's what he did. That's what he did. He was the one. So I want to follow Jesus' example, all right? The second thing, the second reason is because Jesus commands it. Fast forward in Jesus' life to the very end of his time here. He's getting ready to go back to be with heaven. And what we now refer to as the Great Commission. It's in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. And Jesus says, while you are going into all the world, I want you to make disciples of all nations. And then how did he say to make disciples? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then teaching them, that's discipleship, teaching them to observe everything that I have told you to do, and I'll be with you the whole time you're doing this. So not only did Jesus do it and give us an example, he also commanded it. He told us that's how we make disciples. That's part of the process. It's part of the cleansing process, and we need to do that. Third reason why I should be baptized. It's an outward demonstration of any kind of stuff that's going on inside of you, all right? I believe with all my heart that God works on people in lots of different ways and for lots of different times. For lots of different ways and in lots of different ways and for lots of different times. And, and you, you ladies, you ladies that have given birth to a child, you had that life inside of you for several months before outside of the miracle of sonograms before any of us got to see it all right and then there was that day when that life that you had been carrying inside of you came forth and we all got to see it and now once a year what happens once a year on said date we all get together and we celebrate a birthday We don't celebrate a conception day. That would just be flat out weird. (laughs) We celebrate that day when life comes forth and we get to see it's a baby boy. It's a baby girl that's growing up to be a man or a woman who has sin in their life once they reach an age where they know what they're doing and needs a savior. And we've got a spiritual delivery room right over here where people go and surrender their life. And the Holy Spirit's been working on their life for a long time, just like that child has been growing up inside of its mom before it comes forth and is born. And the Holy Spirit's been working, and then there's that moment of death, burial. You ready? And resurrection. A new life. That we get to see that. And it's for the, the, the last reason why we need to do this. Because here's what Peter said. He said, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. That's a big deal, guys. That forgiveness of your sins thing, that's a big deal. And then he went on and said, and if that's not good enough, when you do that, not only are your sins going to be forgiven, then I'll give you the gift of the Holy Spirit actually living in you and working in you. 
and working through you and helping you. It's a great deal. And so that's why we should be baptized. Third question. What's the meaning of it? What's the meaning of it? I explain it this way all the time. Some of you have heard me talk about it this way. Colossians chapter 2 verse 11 and 12 says, In him you were also circumcised and putting off the old sinful nature, not with a circumcision done by the hands of men, but with a circumcision done by Christ, Christ taking away things from you, having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. What's the meaning of it? It illustrates Christ's death and resurrection. See, here's the deal. When when someone's baptized here or like the kids at Camp Calvary or wherever, wherever, you know, we Bible teach that word baptism, baptizo, we'll talk about that in a minute, but it's got to be buried. So we have to, we put people under the water and we bring them up out of the water, not just because it's illegal not to. But we haven't symbolized Christ's death and resurrection if we don't. All we symbolized was burial. But the power of Jesus is not just in his death, it's in his resurrection. And so that's why Paul over and over again talked to people about, hey, here's what's important. Just as you were buried with him, you're also raised with him. There's there's burial, there's death and burial, but there's also resurrection and new life. And and so the meaning is, it illustrates Christ's death and resurrection, but it also illustrates a new life, a bigger than you life. That's what Paul said this way, uh, (coughs) excuse me, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That just sounds big, right? A new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. He said, and Paul wrote to the Galatians, he said, I've been crucified with Christ and yet I no longer live. The life I live, Christ lives in me. And the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So that baptism, that going big and trusting God and following Jesus that illustrates Christ's death and resurrection and it illustrates your new life. But get this. Stay with me. This is huge. This is huge. Baptism alone doesn't save you baptism alone doesn't save you understand that if i felt if there was one fiber in me that felt like baptism alone saved you trust me you would have been baptized the first day you walked in the building you don't think i can pull that off watch this i need y'all's help matt stucker would you stand up bro Quentin, stay standing. Quentin Cottrell, would you stand up, man? Hunley, I need you to stand up back there. All right. Larry Baker, stand up. Bruiser, stand up. Big country, stand up. I can take any of you down. And if I can't, these brothers will. Because they already know Jesus, right? Right? And I... I... Thank you. Thank you. Now, you may want to hang around a little bit before the beginning of the next service. Make sure some big dudes show up for that one, okay? Because my point won't work. <laughs> Listen, if it, all it took was getting you under the water, 
We'd have figured out a way to do that already and trusted that if you didn't forgive us on this side of heaven, you'd forgive us when we all got there. But it involves trusting God. Repenting of your sins. Confessing his name. Surrendering in baptism. Walking a new life. I'm not even completely confident it always comes in that order. But I know for the most part, when you're cooking something, eh, some of it, it matters what order. But a lot of times, as long as you get all the ingredients in the pot, it's going to come out all right. But there's a bigger reason that I'll, I'll finish with in just a minute. Let me talk about why immersion really quick. Why immersion? First of all, that's because that's what Jesus did. Because the Bible says he went down into and came up out of the water. Came up out of the water. All right? And that's why Jesus did that. The word itself, the word itself means to plunge under something. In this case, water. To, to shove down under something. Okay? All right? And, and, and so that's what it really means and what we think the Bible, not what we know the Bible teaches. That's what the word means. And so that's why we practice immersion. In fact, all churches practice immersion until about 700 years ago. Every church that did baptism. And then the bubonic plague. Anybody got any experience with plagues recently? <laughs> The bubonic plague was running rampant in Europe, and so some men got together and said, we will allow that for the uh, sprinkling, of ba- sprinkling of water to suffice for Christian baptism, until which time we conquer the plague. Guess what? It took them longer than they thought to conquer the plague, and it just became a little bit more convenient. But here's what I say to people. Well, what, if I was, what if I was sprinkled as a baby? Well, that means you had parents that cared about you. Celebrate that. That means you had parents that were following what they had been taught to the best of the reality. Follow that. The only problem with that is that was their choice, not yours. And so now you're, now you're a big boy. Now you're a big girl. It's time to make your own choice. And I would suggest you make the choice the way God says. Not the way Dave says. But you, wait, you make the choice the way the Heavenly Father says. I don't throw stones at anybody. I don't throw stones at anybody for, for what was, but I, I do stand on the Bible. We stand on the Bible, and that's what we do there. So then, who should be baptized? Who should be baptized? We're almost done. That's simple. Who has sinned? <laughs> because what, what Luke said baptism was for, it was for the forgiveness of your sins. Therefore, <laughs> Who should be baptized? Everyone who has sinned and is understanding that they have sinned. See, there's a, there's a difference in that. Like, with, you know, with my grandchildren. I still have one of them that's small enough that if we take her to the store and are watching, and she loves candy, that if we take her to the store and we're not watching, she could easily just start popping candy in her mouth. Now, in the literal sense, what has she just done? She's shoplifted and stolen. She's 16 months old. Nothing's going to happen other than maybe some clerks say, and they should say, hey, you little girl's taking this. I've got another granddaughter that's almost a teenager. She does the same thing, or maybe it's not candy. Maybe it's something much bigger. The consequences are different. Why? 
there's an expectation of understanding right and wrong. See, when we sin is when... See, part of this is understanding. Sin is not just an oops. It's not just a, oh, that's wrong. That's not sin. That's ignorance. Sin is when I know what I'm supposed to do, but I'm going to do this anyway because that's what I want to do. Not your will be done, but mine alone. That's how a lot of people are living today. And when we reach that point in life, when we said, I know that I wasn't supposed to do that, but I did it. I know uh, I, I did that, but I wasn't supposed to. And you know, we know that we, that's, that's who should be baptized. Every one of you. For the forgiveness of your sins. See, that's what, that's what Peter said there. He said, you need to repent and be baptized. Look at Acts 2.38. Here's the part of it sometimes we miss. We say, okay, repent and be baptized. I got that. I got that. And, that, and that's for everybody else in the world but me. No, no, look what Peter said. Repent and be baptized, every one of you. Every one of you. In the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit in your life. Which leaves us, well, what happened the rest of that day, those who accepted uh, his message were baptized that day. Oh, yeah, by the way, it was only 3,000 men and a lot of their wives and kids, so maybe 10, 12,000 people that day that said, oh, man, this is serious. We got to get this done. Which leads me to my final question. When should I be baptized? Right stinking now. What are you waiting on? If the news doesn't show you anything today, it should show you that you've got no guarantee of being sitting here next Sunday. Or that there'll be a next Sunday. And so if all this other stuff makes sense and you get down to the, I'll just get around to it. I'll get to it. I'll get around to it. Anybody know where you can buy round to it? Because they don't exist. Here's what happened in the Bible. Two more things and we'll kind of draw this up. In Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. Uh, there's this guy riding down the road in a chariot. God says to Philip, says, you need to go see that guy. Because <laughs> he's, he's reading these scrolls and he ain't got a clue. So you need to go spend some time. And so Philip goes down and he meets this guy from Ethiopia and he's reading the scripture. He told him the good news about Jesus. Verse 36 of Acts chapter 8 says, as they traveled along the road, they came to some water. This is after Philip had been teaching this guy from Ethiopia and they're just going down the road. And so you got to like, you know, you got to imagine there's somebody driving the chariot or whatever. They're just like hanging out on the sides or in the back or wherever you hung out in the chariot. And they're talking and all of a sudden it says they came upon some water and the eunuch, the man from Ethiopia said, look, here's water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? I think it's interesting. He didn't say, do you think I should get baptized? He said, no, here's water. Why shouldn't I be baptized right now? And it says... He gave orders to stop the chariot, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him right then. Right then. A few chapters later in Acts chapter 16. <laughs> Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas are locked up. 
they're locked up in prison. They're behind bars. They've got guards watching them 24 hours a day. Verse 25 says about midnight, (laughs) about midnight, all right? Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Probably some of the other prisoners were like, would you guys just shut up? That's probably what they were thinking. But they're hearing what's going on. And suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And at once all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. And this is, this is long before any thriller on a movie screen. This is like real life stuff that's happening. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. Why was he about to do it? Because in that day and time, if he is the jailer, let the prisoners escape, they were going to kill him anyway and so he's just thinking i'm just going to save him the time i'm not going to go through that all right but paul shouted out to him hey wait 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 wait. don't harm yourself we're all still here the jailer called for some some lights i guess some torches to be lit and rushed and fell before paul and silas and he brought them out and asked them sirs what must i do to be saved what made him think of that they had been singing hymns and praise they had been talking about their relationship with the father he said well, i want that what must i do and they said believe in the lord jesus and you will be saved you and your household and when they spoke to the lord uh, to him and all the others in the house and at that hour of the night okay it was midnight when they're singing, so it's got to be a little after midnight by the time all this is going on. So at that hour of the night, sometime after midnight, the jailer took them, washed their wounds, and immediately the jailer and his family were baptized that night. When should I do it? Right now. God's doing some incredible things in people's lives. You saw some of it on video this morning. I know we're going to experience it next service. Man, if you're here today for the very first time, we're so glad. Hopefully on your way out, you'll stop at the I'm New Wall out there in the lobby. Or if you've been here a while and you say, I got to, I got to do something else. You go to the next step room. Today, we're trying to love on people in the way that God did. And so uh, today is the day that if you haven't already, we're bringing baby bottles back in, dropping them off at the table. Uh, the white buckets are around the room today. If you say, oh, I, Dave, I don't ever use money anymore. I use a debit card. I don't have change. But if you just want to like write a check or uh, get online and make a contribution, that's, that's fine as well. We're just trying to save babies' lives. All right, because all this goes to uh, Loving Choice Pregnancy Center. Uh, we're helping out with our food bank that's out front, uh, food pantry out front. So there's some stuff people have already brought in out there on the table. If you think of it during the week and want to help some people. Uh, and Camp Calvary, man, they're going through cereal like banyans down there. That just means there's a lot of kids there, and that's a cool thing. So we've already sent a bunch of cereal, but if you can stop and get some, if you want to run right after this service and get them, bring it back up here and put it on their tub or bring it by this week. Why do we do all that stuff? Because of Jesus. That's why, because of Jesus. Because a lot of us have already chosen to surrender our life. It doesn't make us perfect. It doesn't make, we're not a holder in that. We're just people. People who've accepted Jesus and been redeemed by his blood. See, every one of these examples that I use this morning is a story of trust. It's a story of trust. It was individuals, including Jesus, including Jesus, trusting in a big God, putting their hope and their faith and their trust in a big God 
that they wanted to spend eternity with. Remember my dad? All they do is nod. I want you to understand this. Don't miss this. There is a day coming when every one of us in this room is going to stand in front of our heavenly father and I want you to be able to nod yeah dad I did everything you asked me to do not I did all but one or I did all but two or I'll get around to it someday someday now just a simple yeah yeah I did it all band's going to lead us in a song I'm going to ask you to stand and sing along. If, if you're ready to make that decision today, Bradley and some others will be back uh, at our decision room back here in the back corner. Go talk to them. We'll do baptisms in between service, uh, the beginning of the next service. We'll stay here all afternoon. We'd like to talk to you and make sure you do understand what that's all about. And Bradley and Dennis are back there to help you do that. And the rest of us, I just want you to sing and pray. Look, there's water. Why shouldn't you be baptized today? Come on, let's stand and sing together. Let's do something big. Do something big for God today. I was buried beneath my shame. could carry that kind of weight. It was my turn till I met you. Come on church, put your hands together. I was breathing the night
you know about some upcoming events this summer. We're going to be hosting two worship nights, one this Thursday and one on July the 21st. It's kind of like a preview for our upcoming Thursday night worship services kicking off in August. Pastor Dave lately has been preaching on going big. We want to continue that thought, that idea of going big on our worship nights. You know, Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, according to the power at work within us. So on our worship night, let's make it more than a concert. Let's make it more than just singing. But let's come together, unified under Jesus Christ, with big expectations. I'm excited, and I hope to see you there. Thanks, church.